This episode of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue, please support us on Patreon over at patreon.com geeks or via PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com crowdfunding. And so I want to give a special thank you to Adrian Mihaela, who just signed up this week to support us on Patreon. So big thanks again to everyone who's contributed. We really appreciate it. All right, so now let's get to our show. Wired.com presents The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. And here is your host, David Barr Kirtley. Hello, and welcome to episode 506 of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm David Barr Kirtley, author of the book Save Me Please and Other Stories, which is available now on Amazon.com. We had a great conversation about the book back in episode 500. So definitely check that out if you missed it. And today on the show, we'll be discussing John Carpenter's classic 1982 movie, The Thing. And this will involve spoilers for everything in the movie, so just be aware of that. And I'm joined by three guests. So first up, we've got Tom Gerenser making his 26th appearance on the show. His short fiction appears in magazines such as Galaxy's Edge and in books such as New Voices and Science Fiction. He's the author of the business book Think Like Google, and the short story collection Intergalactic Refrigerator Repairman Seldom Carry Cash, and his popular science book How It's Made, written for the Discovery Channel, will be out later this year. So, Tom, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Then next up, we've got Andrea Kale, making her 25th appearance on the show. She's a graduate of the Odyssey Writers Workshop, and her short fiction appears in the Writers of the Future anthology, Fantasy Magazine, and Lightspeed. She's been a television writer, producer, and script supervisor for shows such as Late Night with Conan O'Brien, The Chew, and WWE's Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown, and she's currently shopping her reality show, The Night. So, Andrea, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me back. And also joining us today is Matthew Kressel, also making his 25th appearance on the show. His short story, Now We Paint Worlds, was just published on Tor.com. And the trade paperback and ebook versions of Queen of Static, the follow-up to his groundbreaking novel King of Shards, are available for pre-order now. Together with Ellen Datlow, he hosts the monthly Fantastic Fiction Reading Series at the KGB Bar in New York. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Good to be back. Okay, so let's start off with Matt. Because Matt, last time I talked to you, we learned that you had never seen The Thing. And I never will. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So now that you've seen it, just uh, overall, um, overall, what was your reaction? Was it as uh, good as we promised? Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I have to say that, like, it's probably one of the top B movies I've ever seen, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, it's like, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I thought, um, like, I thought the special effects really uh, hold up. Um, it, it just, like... You know, I, I had seen bits and pieces of it. It's it's kind of hard to go, you know, um, geez, is it 40 years since this movie came out? Uh, yeah. th- you know, that long, yeah. um, you know, in in the science fiction world and not just like pick up bits and pieces of the thing because it's, it's everywhere. I mean, like there's an actual game that people play at science fiction conventions called The Thing. Um, it's, it's like a version of mafia if you've ever played that. And <laughs> so it's like, you know, I knew the premise. I knew that the, that the, uh, alien was impersonating others. Um, 
And I, I'd seen some of like, obviously some of the, the footage and the special effects and like probably saw it in like, um, um, the, uh, like those horror magazines of the eighties. I'm trying to think of, uh, of the, of the Fangoria. 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 Thank you. And then, <laughs> and then the other one was it like Sin of Fantastique or something. Um, so yeah, so I, I had, I had quite a bit of familiarity with it. Um, that being said, I, I still, I was, I was actually quite impressed at, at how scared I was. Like, um, just, you know, kind of, even though you know what's going to happen. Um, mainly I think because, the director did a really amazing job of keeping the alien mysterious. Um, I've never been so terrified of Wilford Brimley in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, just oatmeal. the way, that's the way that when he's like the thing or thingified, um, he looks left and right, just like over. And it's like very much not any way I've ever seen Wilford Brimley move in any other film. And it was like, wow, like, like, you know, clearly he's a good actor, like his whole body language changed. And, and just the way, like kind of the dog is just looking out mm-hmm. the window and creeps around. And, um, you know, it, it, it had some like cheesy parts, but I, I think like any eighties movie, that you watch today, like some of the like the computer graphics of like, oh, is it the scientific computer simulation? I'm like, man, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, my, my TRS-80 had better games than that. Um, yeah. <laughs> like some of that stuff. And then, you know, I, some of the, the sort of info dumping stuff was a little convoluted. And, you know, like if, if you start to think about the, the morphology of the alien, like, like how exactly does this work again? Like it, it, it crash landed on earth, but, but then it needs like it has to replicate other creatures and like I think if you if you start thinking about it too much it's it falls apart. But uh, like overall, I, I I found it quite impressive. Um, reminded me a lot of uh, the Lovecraft story at the Mountains of Madness. Yeah, uh, which I guess was an influence, uh, maybe not a direct one, but uh, no, I think it was because it um, was yeah yeah because at the Mountains of Madness was published in thirty six in Astounding. Mm-hmm. And the uh, John W. Campbell story, Who Goes There, which this is an adaptation of, was published in 38 and 38. Astounding. Yeah, okay. So oh, I'm wow. certain that Campbell yeah. read that story. Yeah, it, was- it felt very much like that. I, I like the I, I also really like the idea that um, they're not the first to encounter this thing. Like, they find another base, and the base yeah. is decimated, and that's just like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. like, it's not like, oh, well, we don't know what this is. We don't know what's going to happen. Like, the audience is like, they're going to, they're just all going to fucking die. Like, <laughs> like there, there's, and, and I think it's sort of the inevitability of it, which I found so terrifying. Um, and just sort of the, the, um, just the total creepiness of, of, of the alien transformations, like that first dog transformation where like the worms are coming out of the dog. That's the, some of the creepiest things I, I've ever seen. Um, and I only watched it once and I, I'll just say this, like, you know, I started going a little bit into sort of like fan theories. I have a feeling like this is the kind of film where if you rewatch it multiple times, you pick up stuff that mm-hmm. um, you uh, that I missed the first time. Like, you know, like Blade Runner is an example of that where you rewatch like, oh, look at all that stuff in the background. And like another uh, TV example is like Mr. Robot. Like you watch that once through. Like, OK, okay Matt, that, Matt, Matt, we're going to I'm going way us, off. You're giving us a little too, I have a point us a little too much here. I have a point here. Okay. My point here is that <laughs> I feel like watching this a second time or third or fourth would give me a lot more 
yeah. than what I got through the first time. But I, I enjoyed it. I'll, I'll stop there. I, <laughs> I had I had coffee today. <laughs> okay and i'll just say i don't know if anyone listening to this has not seen the thing but i mean matt had never seen it so i'll just explain very quickly the premise is that we're in antarctica and there's a group of scientists and this uh dog comes into camp being chased by a helicopter with a crazy norwegian guy shooting at it and the dog turns out, out to be a shape-shifting alien from outer space and they can infect and uh Replic- uh, yeah, replicate the different people in the camp, and it's this paranoid thing where they don't know now. They don't know who's an alien and who's not, and uh, all hell breaks loose. And so, uh, and and I think that this movie has one of the best opening scenes of any movie yep. I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, which is absolutely. You see this this it's it's apparently it's a it's half wolf and half dog. Yep. This 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 animal um, in real life it is, um, yeah. but it's just basically this dog running across the you know, the glaciers or whatever. And yeah, and there's this helicopter coming after it and somebody's shooting at it and you don't know why. And I know Andrea, you've talked about like great openings of movies, like, like Daryl, I I think was sort of a similar thing where, you know, there's like a car driving. It it creates a question. It's, it's a mystery. What the hell's going on? So yeah, yeah, that's always the best kind of opening. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and so, so Andrea, so going back to this movie, I mean, you've Mm -hmm. seen this movie a lot of times, right? Or, um, I probably saw it more than once when I was, you know, a kid, teenager, um, definitely. But I hadn't seen it in a good 30 years. So it was no. like, well, I mean, I, re- yeah. Um, no, because I, 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 wait, because cause I thought that I, 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 I only saw this once. I saw, and I thought I saw it with you or like at one of our movie night things at Rob's. I don't remember that, but that could be true. <laughs> so that would have been. Like fifteen uh, nine, years uh, ago, or something. yeah, fifteen. Okay, fifteen. Sure. <laughs> I don't remember that, but it could happen. Uh, people have been coming up to me and saying things to me, and I don't remember them. So, yeah. Maybe it was an alien impersonating you, and it was. It could have been. You. Yeah. Maybe this is an alien impersonating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll never you, know now, will you? Do you have any fillings in your teeth? <laughs> um, they're all porcelain. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that always alien. gets you. That always gets you. <laughs> but but yeah, so I had read the Campbell story in high school, and I remembered really liking it um but the the two things i really remembered from it was just like the aliens like 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 evil face frozen in the ice mm-hmm. that they're that yeah. they're talking about and then i remembered the blood test and i thought both those things were really really cool and memorable and then i'd kind of forgotten the rest of the details and so going into this movie i didn't have a ton of expectations and the first time i watched it i thought it was cool but i was a little disappointed by how sort of schlocky it was i i felt like it was a little more schlocky and b movie than i was expecting it to be um but overall i thought it was pretty cool and i think watching it now i appreciate the the distinctively schlocky nature of it um more than i did the first time i watched it but um hmm. but i want to get tom in here too so tom what's what's kind of your history with with the thing this movie is just woven through my life in so many ways. And I just love this. I'm such a huge fan of this movie. Um, and the, and the writer, director, uh, musical score creator, uh, as well. <laughs> but, but I, uh, no, I, I, I first came in contact with this through watching the, uh, 1950 something movie, which I thought was really cool as a kid. But I think it was one of those, when you were a kid, growing up in the age that I was growing up, you would watch these like old, like black and white or newly colored movies that, uh, that, that just had like, you know, it was like a Frankenstein monster type of thing. And that's what this movie, the fifties adaptation of this, 
I think was it called the thing and does anybody know if that yeah, one was the called thing the from thing? another world thing from another world so I watched that when I was a kid and I was just kind of like well that's kind of entertaining it's kind of creepy um then when I was in high school my friends uh my friends were like, have you ever seen the thing? Oh, you've got to watch it. We're going to rent it. You're going to love it. And they didn't tell me anything about it. Um, and then I watched it and I was just like blown away by it. I had no idea it was related to that 1950s movie, but was just absolutely blown. I mean, like you said, that first scene, I'm like, why is this, why are these jerks trying to kill this dog? You know, like, why are they shooting at this dog? And then, and then, you know, then you realize it's the other way around. It's the dog that's in control. And, uh, and then, so the whole movie just blew me away and then, and then watched it so many times with my friends and got to the point where my, this group of friends and I, we call each other the fun bunch. We could like quote this movie back and forth endlessly. And we still, we still do it. Like, we'll be like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And then if, if one of us texts that to the group, the other ones will all start chiming in with quotes from the thing. Um, and even my friend, Greg, if I'm talking to him on the phone, sometimes he'll go, that's not dog. That's imitation. <laughs> or uh, or he'll, or he'll go I kill you like you know the Wilford Brimley quote just so many little like and we all know like what it's from but then I uh, I went back and found the story who goes there after that in like I don't know in like the nineties and I read that and I was like holy shit this is the thing I came across it in an anthology not knowing what I was getting into and I was like not only is this the thing but I thought. What happened was they made the schlocky 1950s movie, which is basically Frankenstein with an alien. And then I thought somebody updated it and made it with a really cool story, not realizing that what actually happened is the 1936 story was even cooler than the 80s movie. But the 80s movie just was like, no, we're going to make it more like the story. Um, so I was blown away by that again when I read that story. And then... Uh, now, like seeing the the twenty eleven movie, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, they don't really get it, do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll say, you know, part of the reason we're talking about this now is because every time we do an eighties movies panel at the end, Tom's like, why don't we talk about the thing? And, uh, <laughs> what are you going to say this time, Tom? <laughs> well, why are we talking about the thing? <laughs> um, no, but uh, one other thing I'll I want to say. You. Lucky, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, we ended up uh, watching, like, going to reading Fangoria, and like, we bought a copy of Fangoria. I don't know which one of us, but we'd go and like look at all the special effects. And I ended up digging into like how they made the special effects, like reading a bunch of articles about it several years ago, and it's so fascinating, so much different from how they do things now. So creative, and so like, how are we going to make this? And, and we can get into that later if you want. But I, I just this whole this movie just. I watch it every like five years, maybe every three years, and I love it every single time. I love the feeling, the mood, the aesthetic, the chemistry between the actors. I love the schlocky parts of it. I love the uh, the paranoia, and I, I just think it's it's fantastic, and it's such a fun part of my life. Well, let's let's talk about the the schlocky stuff because it's it's interesting because this is really considered a classic, sort of cult classic, or maybe even just classic science fiction movie at this point. And but it was savaged critically upon its initial release and did not mm. do well. And where's the thing? Someone someone mentioned uh, Cine Fantastique magazine. Yeah, uh, I don't see the quote, but 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 they basically um, at least. Oh wait, here it is. Uh, it was described as instant junk and a wretched excess, and proposed as the most hated film of all time by <laughs> film magazine wow. Cine Fantastique. Oh my wow. god. 
I saw that review when I was looking. Was that on the Wikipedia page, I think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's insane. That's crazy. <sighs> I, I just... Yeah. It's, I, it's, it's very different from, like... Wasn't like, didn't this come out around the same time as like E.T.? Yeah, almost exactly (laughs) at the same time. Right. You know, you got this like optimistic story of E.T., this boy, you know, saving this little alien who's troubled. And then like the exact opposite, aliens like just here to devour us. And it it just (laughs) ramps up the paranoia. And, um, you know, I think, you know, with the exception of some of those like extreme horror films of the day, like this film was pretty grotesque for its time. No, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and maybe it, the audiences or reviewers and, and it, weren't ready for that. It's def, but the thing is, it's, it's so, um, reminiscent for me of Alien, which came out yeah. in 79. Yeah. It's yeah. very alien like. So the fact that, you know, I, it I don't know. It feels understand. very alien. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and and actually, like the later iterations of Alien, like the more recent ones, almost seem to have gone more of like the way of the thing, where the alien is like has all this like different DNA, right, and can morph yeah, into different yeah. shapes. I, I have to say that the talk about schlock, the whole sequence or set piece where the the guy like McCready, they think he's the thing, and then he hits the guy, and he's like, I didn't hit the guy, like collapses, and like, I didn't hit him that hard. And then they take him and they like his heart stopped and they try to do the the paddles of life on him, the oh paddles yeah. and 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 the chest caves yeah. in and then the ribs are teeth and bite yeah. the doctor's hands off and he holds yeah. them up the stumps and the blood comes out screaming and then they, they start flamethrowing it but in the meantime the guy's head comes off like stretches off and goes under the table and grows legs that was and, so and creepy yeah. eyes on stalks and comes out from under the desk going like like and it's just so like random and creative like that at that point i think i fell so that was the first time i saw it i fell so in love with this movie as much of an excess i understand why they say it's excess because that is right that's crazy but it's so creative and so like holy shit they gotta be kidding and then to have the character say you gotta be fucking kidding me like he's like the audience surrogate (laughs) was so fun i felt like i was on the funnest roller coaster ever well, that's that's why I'm saying, Tom, that I appreciate this more now. I feel like because, yeah, at the time, uh, 15 years ago or whatever, I had this image in my head or this memory in my head of the story being this sort of classic uh, paranoia, more understated sort of story. And so so I was like, oh, this is such a B-movie in comparison. But I mean, actually, having gone back just today and or was it yesterday? Yesterday and reread the story. It's not as good as I remember. And um and this is actually this is this is this I like even more than than the first time I saw it, and yeah, and I think like especially now there have been so many like more paranoid kind of stories where it's like oh who's the alien and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and people were saying like oh it's even just like a party game like oh which one of us is the alien and stuff you know and <laughs> so 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 that just the creativity of the of the special effects like captures it's my become really cliche now. now right like yeah. you have like it replicants ha- and and then in Battlestar Galactica right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, here's the thing. I, everybody's saying schlocky. It never, it didn't strike me as schlocky. I mean, I just remember it from watching it, you know, years ago, it being a really good horror science fiction movie. But watching it now again for the first time in I don't know how many years. 15, Andrea. We they, okay, fine. But let's just, we'll <laughs> go you with are, your if version you are of Andrea. this. I, <laughs> look, I don't even know if I'm Andrea anymore. Um, watching it again was just. As you said, it's a, it's a great opening shot of it creates this question and it, and and 
brings you this mystery and it's 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 a great hook and i felt the rest of the movie was too and i'm going to talk on like just a filmmaking uh you know just in terms of filmmaking it's a great movie it creates tension he 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 creates mysteries he creates tension um of fear and dread he has these yeah. shots where you know there's this shot where the dog goes into the room and all you see is a ref- of a is a shadow of a man yeah. so the dog mm-hmm. goes in and you see the guy's head turn and yeah. then you cut away yeah. so you yeah. know it's going for him but it's you don't bad. know who it is yeah you know the dog looking out the window um, that was the, so creepy. It's so creepy. So creepy just watching the helicopter come in. Yeah. And yeah. then the dog walking down the hallway with the guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just walking. It, 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 it's like just simple things like that create such tension and dread in you. Yeah. And it's it, it's just – I'm sorry. You know, schlocky? Uh, it's masterful filmmaking well, as far for as the I'm record, concerned. For the record, I never said that. They did. So uh, – <laughs> but no, I – I agree with you, Andrea. I, I think that, um, you know, we've been watching a lot of uh, 80s films on this yeah. podcast. And one of the things I noticed is that, like, the sort of uh, patience of the audience in, in the mm. 80s, I think, was greater. Um, yeah. Oh, so yeah, that there, are, there were a lot of these films that you watch them now and you're like, oh, my God, this is so slow. I never I felt that it. with this. And, like, yeah. with, with no. the thing, I was like... And and I think that was the the greatest difference I felt with with the prequel was like with, with this with the eighty two the thing like I was on the edge of my seat like the whole time like I I was I was riveted I never looked away I don't think I got up once to like go to the bathroom or get a snack like I was glued to the to the TV and that's that's hard to do yeah. um, and Wait, can I, can I, I, can I also yeah. just mention the, the the aggressively nihilistic like audience not pleasing ending i think is so striking in this movie. i love, love it. that i love yeah, it it's a yeah. great ending <laughs> they're with you know, them like- just staring each other down over the fire and just being like i guess we just wait and, and yeah. they know it's going to be a hundred below there in like a couple of hours yeah. it's so it's beautiful yeah, I, yeah. I, it's a great ending yeah. so it's and, like yeah it's like it artistic in a yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's it's a good film, it, and it it made me it just like like any good science fiction. It, it it like made me start thinking of like where this thing came from and why yeah. it crashed, and um, was it was the thing that crashed like was the thing um, in control of that ship? Like, did it build that yeah. ship, or or did it hijack? Like, what was it? Just another passenger. Like I picture, wolf. yeah. I picture that it was infecting. It was going through that ship like it went through the, the through the uh, the right. substation. Yeah. I pi- I picture that it was like that. That's why the ship was crashing because yeah, they were that's... trying to fight that because thing. Because they were fighting it, right? Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. That was my and, interpretation as well. And then, like when it absorbs a body, it, it absorbs their like thoughts and knowledge too yeah, yeah. So, right so because it, it it can impersonate them so yeah so because that's otherwise why it was wouldn't... building that's why i was building the spaceship uh in, in that little ice tunnel because it had absorbed it not because it was the original aliens who had built the, built the first ship but it was replicating yeah. them well yeah. yeah like like they said in the movie like the, you know it's 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 imitated thousands of life forms on thousands of worlds like yeah. it's it it has all this, this experience yeah. backed up like stored up in it that it can there's no way we can out we can beat this thing yeah it, it was yeah. it was 
It was really cool and like and like totally creepy in the best like science fiction horror way. I thought. Yeah. 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 So I'll I'll just mention my criticisms, which are fairly minor. Um, and it reminds me that the 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 fact that he's building a spaceship out of like spare parts from helicopters strikes me as kind of ridiculous. <laughs> um, I I w- it wasn't clear to me that that was a spaceship, but go ahead. It looked like maybe a. Yeah, it, it did look like the other spaceship. Yeah, it did. I, I, it did look like a spaceship, but I, I took it. As, I've always taken it as it was making something that was sort of similar to a spaceship, but was never intended to go to space. It was supposed to get it to the mainland. It didn't yeah, want to. It didn't want to leave Earth. It wanted to go find like New York City. It was its own version of a helicopter, yeah. or even yeah. just the ocean. Yeah, yeah, it could have been like a submarine or something. But go ahead, that's that's a good okay. point. Well, we mention. can we can come back to that. Um, the computer simulation somebody mentioned is is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then like this is really minor, but it, it it is it was sort of a significant problem for me is that I think the actors look too much alike, especially when they're all bundled up with goggles and coats and stuff. There's like so many people with sort of dark curly hair and. Mm-hmm. Um, the it was just was, out of this, just out of the seventies. Everybody had like you know beards and dark curly hair, and was basically you know disgusting. Yeah, so so <laughs> it was just like it was a little hard. I, I felt like the characters could have been a little bit more individuated than they than they were. But that's really all I got. I mean, other than that, I really <laughs> I, I do have one criticism, which is yeah. wouldn't the obvious answer to knowing who's human or or at least staying human is everybody stay together. <laughs> Once yeah. once they do the blood test, they know the the four of them are human. Why split up? Like yeah. the minute you split up, it, it yeah. make creates the the problem of the person you've left behind or one or two of them is going to get you know absorbed by the aliens. So why yeah. split up? It just it never then you don't have sense. then you don't have a movie, Exa- but. <laughs> exactly. But that's yeah. You know, but that's never a good that's never a good right. choice. Exactly. Don't go but, in the basement. Well, but but, but I've, I've I've watched this movie so many times and I've thought about that and I feel like. It's kind of it's kind of inevitable that they're going to split up because they have to somebody has to go out and get Blair and they can't all go out and get Blair. Why can't so they, they all go out and get Blair? Well, because they don't know if some of them are the thing or not and they've got some of them tied to the couch no, no. and they That was after. That no, was after the me. blood test. Yes. Pardon me, but but then also you they're not all getting. Better watch this movie a few more times, Tom. You obviously <laughs> I guess I guess I better. I thought it was after the blood test, but I thought they left. I thought they left like a couple of them there, and they went out to get Blair, and mm-hmm. they and they had somebody still tied to the couch. By the way, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, <gasps> yes. but I'd, if it's all the same to you, I'd rather not spend, spend the rest, the rest of, of this winter shaking this, this fucking couch. couch. Yeah, he, he yeah. starts off so calm and reasoned, and then he gets to that line, and he just blow, loses it. And I, I just freaking love I've that. I've never forgotten that line. It's funny. I was talking to the, about this um, to somebody the other day, and and uh, for some reason, I went, yeah, I remember it being so funny. And and she was like, "What are you talking about? Oh, it's, it's hilarious!" It's and hilarious. then I remembered, it's just because of that line because I remember laughing so hard just <laughs> at that one line. No, I mean it's that line, and it's so many Wilford Brimley lines too. Like when he's reaching into the thing and he's pulling the tissue aside, and he goes, "Oh!" and he shoves his arms into it. It's just like <laughs> oh, the, I, I don't know if that was intentionally the, funny or not. The but. other line that I 
forgotten that I, I forgotten was from this movie, but for years I would always say, um, I don't know what's in there, but it's weird and pissed off. Yeah. I've completely forgotten it was from this movie. And the minute he said it, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) And then, oh, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me come to the, why do, why do they split up thing? Because actually, I don't know if, if everyone got a chance to read the Campbell story who goes there, Mm -hmm. but in that they don't split up, right? Like they, the whole plot of the Campbell story is that they they find this creature in the ice, it gets out, and they kill it. But then they realize that it's infected some of them, and they all get in a room together, and they do one experiment that doesn't work, and then they do another experiment that does work, and then there's sort of like a bit of action to wrap it up. But it's like, but basically they all stay together, for all the characters stay together for the entire story. I guess, no, now that I think about it, there's one guy who's off in a room who gets yeah, killed. Yeah, it's Blair. But, um... Uh, but but for the most part, you know, it's it's just like 37 people in a room talking about how they're going to test who's an alien or not. And it's pretty boring. Yep, uh, sure is. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I can definitely see why somebody reading that uh, screenwriter reading that story would be like, OK, we can't just have the whole thing take place in a room. You know, we've got to have other stuff happening. Yeah. No, I and get they that. they improved it so much. They did. And you got rid of all the other characters, like the 37 characters and got yeah. it down to like 12. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm just talking after, like after the blood test, I, it, even before that, but ser- seriously, after the blood test, there's only four of them. It just doesn't make any sense that you leave the one guy back there to yeah. look at nothing. And then three yeah. of them go and it's just like, no. Childs, right? Yeah. That, does, that didn't They'll make any childs, sense. They left yeah. him behind. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then it has okay. that, that like early SF trope where like the scientist is like, you know, Bob, you know, there's no way that this can do X and it's impossible right. this can do X. And then, of yeah. course, it does X. And then the next scene, they're like, well, it can't do Y. And then it does Y, you know, it, and it, it kind of got repetitive for yeah. me. Um, also, you're talking about the story. Yeah. Who goes there? Yeah. But, oh, but God. also, um, like the copy that I got was um, the worst, like tiniest print ever. Um so it's kind of hard to read. So, by the way, have you guys uh, a couple of things just before I forget? Uh, real brief, real briefly. The uh, I love that the stairway in the storage room is carried through from the first movie, yeah. from the from the nineteen fifties movie to the nineteen eighty two movie to the twenty eleven movie. I love that. That's in. It's the same staircase in every. I don't I, know why. That's, that's I, minor, but I read that when they made the twenty eleven movie. They they um wanted to recreate it as as well as possible, but they didn't have uh, John Carpenter's plans, so they measured it by they um they got um what's his name the main character uh McCready Kurt, right. Kurt Russell Kurt Russell they found out how tall he was and they measured from that they like wow. estimated from how tall he was Wow that's that's clever yeah. got like what? a sur- surveyor in there Yeah. <laughs> Let, 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 let me just explain. So, yeah, so there's so this movie from 2011, also called The Thing. And so in the 82 version, we mentioned that there's this Norwegian camp that The Thing is already destroyed, that the characters visit. And so this 2011 movie is the story of what happened in that Norwegian camp before the 82 mo- movie starts. Um, and um, and it, it's sort of like it's like 35 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, the 2011 version. So I was expecting it to be. You know, just a total travesty. Um, bad. Maybe, maybe going in with low expectations helped, but I thought like the first half was actually really good. Uh, and then like once, um, 
you know, like once the once the action stuff starts, it got like it was just kind of like I already saw aliens, and this is just aliens. Yeah, it, exactly. It, yeah. They, they didn't do, they didn't bother that much with the paranoia thing, and uh, you know, I, I understand it wasn't it's not the Cold War or it wasn't the Cold War anymore when that when that movie came out. <laughs> but right, uh, they're escaping to the Russian station, right? At, but at the but, end. but back you know back the the nineteen fifties movie, it was full on Cold War paranoia, and then yeah. the eighty two version was the same thing. It was. Parano- it was Cold War paranoia plus like AIDS, fear of AIDS, kind of mixed together in that movie, and then the and then the 2011 movie is like we don't really know what we're afraid of, so we're we're just gonna make it like creatures killing people. Yeah, um, it was the the 2011 one was I th- I thought it was a great idea, yeah, um, great concept, but the execution was just all you made was a monster movie, like just, there yeah, was nothing special. It it just didn't have. It didn't have that same dread and and um, right. it didn't have the same uh, claustrophobia of the yeah. Carpenter, you know. Everything in the Carpenter movie is dark oh, and yeah. claustrophobic and and scary. But the, the 2011 version is so much brighter and it just took away a lot of the fear that I felt from the, yeah. you know, from the 82 movie. Um, and also, it, I noticed it uses a lot of the same beats. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like, um, Carter, when Carter and Jameson, the two in the 2011 one, um, escape from the lockup, you know, they get locked up. Blair does the same thing. Escape, they both escape through a hole in the floor. Um, same, uh, beat with the shooting the guy in the head who attacks them, you know, like when, uh, Clark or but Carter, one of them attacks, you know, because they think he's the bad guy. He's they think he's the alien, yeah. and he gets shot the dog, in the head. The dog handler guy, and then the sh- the flamethrower malfunctioning, also in both movies. And it's yeah, like, no, no, it's it's. There's no question. The 2011 movie is super derivative. I mean, yeah. I'll say I'll, I'll say two things for it. Is I liked the fact that they're all Norwegians. I thought that made it kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the fact that they 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 introduced this twist that you can tell who's a thing because they ha- they don't have fillings because yeah. the, the thing can't replicate inorganic. That was cool. Material. Which actually worked. I like it as that's going on. I'm like, this is really silly, but it it kind of works. Like, yeah. show me your fillings. Yeah. Yeah. And then the guys like with that scene, like why are there people like hesitating to open their mouth and show their fillings? If they have the fillings, wouldn't you want to do that? Here, look, I have fillings. No, I mean the guy the one guy who's like, calm down now, there's a lot of variables here because he knows he has porcelain fillings. But and he's like and he's like No, but I'm saying the people that do have fillings. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, every yeah, one of the people just, that have fillings are like dramatic tension. Like I'm yeah. not opening my mouth. <laughs> but it was like even right. though it'll prove I'm human. Yeah, it's like uh, open yeah, I, I would, mouth. I'm I would just, open I'm my mouth instantly. Man, look, look like, at my here fillings. You, here you go, man. Yeah, absolutely. Count them. Like, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> also, I, as much as I love the lead actress, she's from uh, Scott Pilgrim versus yeah. the World, which I which I love that movie so much. Yep. Um, but as much as I love her, I felt like it would have been, it wouldn't have been as popular. So I get it. They can't do this, but it would have been to me a stronger movie if it would have been all just Norwegians and, um, and not, you know, you could have had them talk in English if you had to do that. I wouldn't have wanted the whole thing to be subtitled, but, um, I just felt like being like, okay, well, we got to make the main characters be Americans who come up to help the Norwegians just seemed, it made it feel less isolated to me and less like. I feel like it would have been creepier and more isolated if it was like about these Norwegians who stumble across this thing and then, 
you see you see it just like rip through the camp. I don't know if I'm the yeah, no, I, I, there, I agree with that, but I, I yeah. think probably just you know they needed for marketing na- you know, like Hollywood names to make yeah. the movie made. You know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I I know I understand that. So. Okay, so be, uh, before uh, I, I want to make sure we get a chance to talk about who goes there because I had a couple of things I wanted to mention that I did like about it. And as I said, like going back to it now, it was really a slog to get through it. Uh-huh. Um, but the um, the stuff I liked is is pretty much all in the first ten pages or so when before the thing gets out of the ice um, because it's more sort of s- like serious science fiction and intellectual because they have all these kind of interesting conversations. Like first, there's a conversation about could an alien infect like could an alien disease infect humans and what is the biology mm. of that right and and then they have this conversation about you know can an organism come back to life after being frozen and what what and you know simple organisms can but ca- complex organisms can't um and then there's this kind of interesting conversation about like this thing just looks like it has an evil expression on its face yeah. but maybe that's just your human like chauvinism speaking and actually this is like a alien smiling you know how do you know like it's an alien um and so there's just like interesting things that make you think like that and i sort of miss that kind of stuff in the movie adaptations um and but i guess that's kind of why you have to go to to written science fiction sometimes for the more the more thoughtful things like that but i did want to give the story credit for for that kind of stuff that's why you know when you guys were all saying you didn't like the story i was kind of surprised i mean i agree that it is a slog but i really yeah, when I when I originally read this story, I was just like, holy crap, I just thought things went forward. You know, I thought like you would start out with like a rudimentary story and then someone would make it into a rudimentary movie and then someone would make it into a better movie and it just kind of goes that way. But it goes the other way. Like somebody had the, like he had like you said, you know, there's this question like well, don't be ridiculous. You can't catch any disease off an alien any more than you can get wheat rust or whatever. You know, he's like, you can't catch something off like a wheat fungus or whatever. And, uh, and it's so, it's so thought provoking, all those things you just mentioned. And then to go back to read that story after I had seen the thing, I was like, wow, there's so, it's so like, makes you really think. And and it's so cool. And it, it reminded me of the original incredible shrinking man movie where, um, at the end of it, you know, the, the guy, the narrator talks about how he's getting smaller and he's, he's like becoming one with the universe. And so it's made in like the fifties, but it has this real Eastern Zen ending, like narration to it where I'm like, holy crap, people were really thinking back then. They just weren't allowed to like put their thoughts on TV or in movies. Cause it was like censors were like, that's too deep. Let's <laughs> get away from that. But, um, but no, I, I really liked this story and I really liked how cerebral it was and how like, you know, I agree. It's not like action, and but I love also his descriptions of everything are so vivid. It's almost like reading. Uh, is it was it Jack London who wrote "To Build a Fire" or "Call yeah, of the mm-hmm. Wild"? Like yeah. it's almost like no, the, reading. Yeah, that. The, the Antarctic details were really really good. Like he obviously did a lot of research or something for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know any other thoughts because uh, it's interesting because you know this is you know the story, the original story is written by John W. Campbell Jr. who. Shortly after he wrote this story, um, became the editor of Astounding and then never wrote fiction again because he was too busy editing it. But apparently, I, and I didn't actually know this, but um, apparently he was basically considered the top pulp science fiction writer at the time. Uh, you know, he was like 25 or something. And, oh, wow. And he wrote, he wrote his best work under a pseudonym, Don A. Stewart. And Don A. Stewart was sort of, you know, 
the most highly regard, highly regarded pulp science fiction author. And then once he became an editor, then he sort of discovered Asimov and Heinlein and Clark and and so on. And that's what really they all became a lot more famous. But you know, but he was really sort of a promising writer, uh, you know, in his twenties. Well, I, w- I was reading that that uh, Who Goes There obviously was inspired by At the Mountains of Madness, but then Lovecraft apparently was inspired by the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym by Poe. So, oh well, technically the thing, if you want to trace it back, goes all the way back to Poe, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Has anybody ever read, apart from me, the uh, Robert Sheckley novel uh, Zlotl, X-L-O-T-L? No. No. Nope. It's ve- it's very similar, and I highly recommend it. It's it's very you know it's it's dated because it's f- was written back then as well in like the forties or fifties, but it's about uh it's it's very similar except instead of being set in the Antarctic, it's set in like uh, the South Seas on a like a on an atoll in like a tropical atoll, but it's about this basically it's something sort of similar to a tick from another world that gets onto an astronaut and comes home and lands in the south seas in a caps space capsule and gets out and goes and infects like an expedition out there where they're cut off and everything and it's very paranoid as well it's very well written it's not most of his stuff was humor but this is not humor it's it's high suspense and if you like the thing you might like that novel as well there's also um it's a it's a danish thriller called miss samilla's sense of snow or miss samilla's feeling of snow by peter hoag um, it reads like just like a typical sort of almost like spy thriller. It's it's uh, but I guess I mean it's from 1992. It's not that much of a spoiler that there's something in the Antarctic buried in the ice that might be alive. And I was like, oh, like I didn't realize that until after I you know went back and read all the stuff and watched these movies that oh they were probably definitely referencing the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know, my favorite movie of recent years was Annihilation, the Alex Garland's movie, which is, you know, it's based on a novel by Jeff Vandermeer. But just like thinking about it, it's like, wow, that has a lot of similarities with the thing as well. You know, you have the, the, the imitation people and you have the weird biology and morphology and all that stuff. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you like the thing and I feel like Annihilation sort of was is, is criminally underappreciated. I actually but, haven't uh, seen I, it. I, I've never seen it either. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there, how come there's we never my talk movie about Annihilation. <laughs> there's my movie. Remember, we were going to do a panel called, you know, the movie that you should yeah. have seen that you haven't. The, be- that, that's the greatest my, that's movie, my movie I've never seen. Yeah, it's based on. Well, it's the it's the first book in in the yeah. Southern Reach trilogy. I, I read the first two. I didn't. I think I sort of fell off with the second book, and I, I have seen Annihilation. I didn't love it as much as you, Dave, but I, I, I it was okay. But you see the how it's like sort of. In the same genre as the thing, right? It's like, um, yeah, on on a much larger scale, sure, I could see it that way. Yeah, can we talk about the uh, the special effects? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I I was really into this movie for a while, like even more so than I am now, and I where to the point where I read up on it a bunch, and I was really interested in the special effects, how they did those. You know, nowadays they can just do it on a computer. But in my day, we didn't have computers. <laughs> we had to do everything with, you know, dough and grape juice and stuff. So what they what they did, um, they just had really creative people working on it. And they would just kind of tell them like, okay, we want this to be really cool. And uh, so do that. 
and then they would they would go away and try all this stuff. So one of the things that's one of my favorite things, maybe I said this on an earlier podcast, I apologize. So, but the way they made the opening titles where it's like the spaceship crashes, but then, and mm-hmm. that's obvious how they did that, how that is just like a normal special effect. But then the letters, the thing just like oh, yeah. burn into the screen. So the way they did that is they sent the director of photography home and they were like, you got to come up with opening titles. So he was thinking and thinking what he's going to do. And he was in like his trailer. And uh, he took a camera and he aimed it at an aquarium and he painted the inside of the aquarium black. And then he took a razor blade and he scraped the letters, the thing out with the razor blade in the black paint. And then he hung a a black trash bag over the over the inside of that that lettering in the aquarium. And then he, he shined a spotlight through the aquarium from the other side at the camera and he lit the trash bag on fire. And so the trash huh. bag burns away and you actually get like the shining light coming through at you with the letters, the thing. That's how that, it seems like such, it's so it's cool amazing. to me. Yeah. yeah th- th- that was just some creative guy and they gave him yeah. a camera and said, go do a cool yeah, opening. Yeah, go, go do it. Yeah. I actually, yeah. I, w- I watched an interview with that guy and he's like, I had to do a bunch of takes and one of them was just like the movie was called NG because those were the only letters that burned. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then, and then, oh, go ahead, please. Oh, let me just say, because um, there's this documentary that I watched on YouTube called The Making of the Thing, which is, it's really amazing. Um, oh, cool. But there's the, the guy who, the main guy who did the special yeah. effects was this guy, Rob Boutin. And just the thing I want to highlight, because there's all sorts of, you know, we can't go through all of it. You should watch the the whole documentary if you're curious. But the one thing I want to highlight is that this guy, he was like 22 or something 23 years old. Yeah. And he, he says that he lived on set. Like for more than a year, he lived on set. You know, like, like he just slept in whatever like part of the set they weren't filming on and just worked on the special effects seven days a week for over a year. And, you know, never took a day off. Just, just lived there the whole time. And he says that when they, st- um, you know, finished principal photography that um john carpenter looks at him and says like you don't look so good you should go to the doctor and he like checked himself into the hospital because he was like you know <laughs> wow just so like wiped out after like a like basically a year of doing special effects with no breaks at all he just poured himself into it um so one of the others is when the you know we talked about the guy's head coming off and turning into a crab um when they <laughs> when his head stretches out they had a you know they had this model and inside of it, they put like epoxy or something and all this plastic and stuff. And then they put it, put the whole thing in a microwave to get it really hot inside. So it was full of like liquid and stuff, the stringy stuff in the neck. It was like elastics. And I don't remember what they put it in a microwave and got it real hot. And then they stretched it out. And then that's why it comes apart and it's all like steaming and things are popping out and liquids coming out of it. Um, (laughs) I thought that was really cool too. How they just like, it's just so like, you know, let's just put it together and try different things and see how it works. And with creative people, like just given yeah. this extra like playroom to like try think all well, these And actually things. with that specifically, one thing was that it was flam- it turned out to be flammable, the concoction that they had made and they didn't realize that or they hadn't thought about that. <laughs> and so it like exploded in this giant fireball and like sort of singed everyone's like hair. And it's like, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's nuts. That's great I mean, but, filmmaking. But one it's similar. About, yeah. Oh, go ahead, please. Sorry. I was going to say, like, one thing about, you know, the uh, 
physical special effects as opposed to like cgi today is like you had to be creative that way you couldn't yeah. have like that you just like we got to figure this out how are we going to how do are we going to do this and and sometimes the solutions are so creative and so right. amazing yep. and even though there's like yeah you, you look there's an element of like okay that's like epoxy and plastic but there's still an element of like realism and creepiness yeah. to it that you don't get with cgi that like the 2011 version with this like yeah. CGI monster running through. It's like, yeah, it's creepy. It's disgusting, but it just doesn't have the same the like, visceral uh, f- yeah. fear of it. E- because Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because some of the best creativity comes out of what you do with mistakes. And with CGI, there's yeah. no room for mistakes. It's just like, we want this. We will have this. Whereas yeah. with that stuff, like Alien, when they made the original Alien movie, there was the, you know, the, the hand, the, the grabber, the face hugger thing. And they were trying to figure out what color to make it, and they couldn't figure it out. And it came out of the uh, mold, and they, were, they had all kinds of them. They were spraying them different colors, and and the director walked by and like looked down at one of them. It was like when it came out of the mold, it was like this flesh color before they painted it. And he was like, "What if we just like keep it that colored? Is that kind of creepy?" And they were like, "Yeah, let's do that," because because they couldn't get the right color. And then they were like, "Oh, we'll just settle on this because." And that wound up being like, yeah, you look at that and it's like, it's so creepy because it looks just like a hand. Yeah. Uh, so so um, I f- forget, Matt, did you say that you like looked into fan theories or something? Uh, just, I mean, brief. I didn't go that deep. Okay. Well, I- let me let me tell you about because there's all like the, the last scene, obviously, it's been like this whole like decades long speculation about who, if anybody, is, is a thing in that last right, right. scene between Childs and McReady. And so, um, uh, where's the thing? So, so, so I think John Carpenter hadn't really said anything about this for like decades. I think it was like in 2012 or something. I have the tweets here somewhere, but he had two, two tweets. So, uh, at one point somebody asked him about this and he said, quote, yes, one of them was a thing, but he didn't say whether it's Childs or McReady, but according to John Carpenter, at least one of them is a thing. And then there was this whole like fan theory that I think is kind of stupid, honestly. But um, so what happens at the end is that uh, McReady has a bottle of uh, whiskey, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, Childs um, has it. Well, no, McReady hands it to oh. Childs. Does he? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Childs like drinks it, and then McReady kind of like smiles. <laughs> and there's this whole like fan theory that like, oh, that wasn't really whiskey. It was really one of the Molotov cocktails. And then he hands it to Childs and then Childs drinks it and just acts normal. And so that's how uh, McReady knew that Childs was a thing because he like drank a Molotov cocktail and didn't react. Hmm. Um, and make any sense. yeah, I, I don't think this makes any sense on multiple levels. And John Carpenter tweeted out, quote, there is whiskey in the bottle at the end of the thing. So... So he seems to have completely shot down that that fan theory. Yeah, I feel like it's, you know, the theory at the end of Blade Runner where everyone's like, is he a replicant or not? <laughs> um, that, you know, ambiguity, I think, is is I, I like it when it's left to the viewer. You know, when yeah. it's like, yeah. when it's like that, that tension of like, who is? Are, are you are you the alien? Am I the like? Yeah, that tension is the core of the film, that paranoia. And I love that they end with that paranoia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Me too. But it seems like when Childs is like, oh, yeah, I thought I saw Blair and then I went out, but he wasn't there, so I came back inside. And, like, mm-hmm. that seems like such a, like, flimsy story to me that it makes me so suspicious of him. You know, yeah. it's like... Well, you're supposed to be. Yeah, you're supposed to be. Yeah. But maybe, lo- maybe he did. 
you know, maybe. Well, there there is a history throughout the movie throughout the movie of people doing really stupid things, <laughs> yeah. like really stupid. Like at one point when um, Nalls and and um, McCready are setting the charges, and Nalls sees like like uh, somebody getting dragged by, and he he sees it, and then he just walks and follows it instead of going, "Hey, I'm seeing this thing." <laughs> You know, like, why would you go off on your own following a monster? Like, that's the stupidest freaking thing. There's a lot of people doing stupid shit, but, you know. I love Wilford Brimley in this, too, when he's out there in that in that tool shed. And, you know, when you first, that when they go out to talk, or uh, McCready goes out to talk to him, and he's like, I want to come in now. I'm feeling a lot better. And he's got the noose hanging by yeah. his head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm all better, and I won't, I won't hurt anyone. I don't like it out here. He's he's just such he has a it's such a great performance from him in that movie. Mm-hmm. He's so creepy. Yeah. So so I just I just watched this with my dad and then afterwards we're talking about it and I was like, do they have flamethrowers on Arctic, you know, Antarctic research stations? And he's like, "Oh, I didn't think about that, but I don't know." I and thought so about it and I figured that it would be a really great tool to melt ice. Yeah. I yeah. So, you know, doesn't... like if something got frozen in, like, your, you know, your vehicle gets, you get flamethrower out and melt yeah. the ice around it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I did, but did anyone think about that? Like, why do they have rifles, flamethrowers, or thermite grenades at this? Well, ther- thermite grenades made, made sense. And the rifles, uh, they didn't have, they had some rifles, I guess, in a locker, but the the only gun at the beginning was the the colonel had his gun. The, yeah. They made a comment like, "I was wondering when he was going to get to use his pop gun." Pop gun, yeah. But why I do mean, they have? A, why do they have a like a weapons locker at the? I mean, I imagine yeah, that there might be. I don't know. Are there, uh, polar bears? Well, are there polar bears? No, I don't know. That's the North Pole. North. That's the North Pole. Yeah, it's not that's the what I'm penguins. Vicious penguins. <laughs> the pe- yeah, those king penguins. They're nasty. Um, yeah. Evil Norwegians. <laughs> well, also, and and well, we were also talking about the Russians are there too. Yeah. Um, but but also, this is 1982. You know, like. Everybody had guns. I, yeah, I think yeah. everybody had guns. It was like I, I shoes. Would, I would imagine that it wasn't. This was a naval station too, right? Was so, it navy? So yeah. I thought it was a naval station. I don't know. Um, and they so they would have guns, but uh, I, I would imagine that yeah, there's probably guns at at most isolated places, locked up and yeah. secure. But yeah, just in case. Hmm. Uh. So so just based on my research, apparently there's like basically two flamethrowers in the movie. Yeah, and one is a military flamethrower which is like kind of unlikely it would be at this research station but then the other one is some sort of like propane torch kind of thing which is a little is significantly more plausible for like melting ice or or like whatever actually in the in the campbell story it it mentioned something about something that they used to like uh heat up the engines of the planes or something they have some sort of thing so but that's that's as far as my research went went on that (laughs) Um, did everyone get a chance to read the things by Peter Watts? Yeah, I, I yeah. yes, I watched, I read it. Yeah. So Andrea, I, I, what did you, what tell me about? I liked your, it. Um, I thought it was a great, um, you know, look at it from the other side, <laughs> so to speak. Um, I think this story is brilliant. I yeah, no, I think it's so fantastic. Um, that's all I can really say. I think it's just a great idea and it was incredibly well executed and it's got one of the most shocking f- final lines I've ever read in a, oh, yeah. in a story. Um, it's just, it's a great line, but it's shocking as fuck. You know? Yeah. Let me just explain. So this is like, it's, it's the, the story of, 
1982 movie, The Thing, told from the point of view of the monster. And it's very explicitly, like, all the characters are, you know, the names from the yeah. movie and everything. Um, and, uh, and so, Matt, what did you, did you re- get a chance to read this? I did. I actually read it uh, when it came out. It was, it was made quite a stir uh, when it came out. I remember everyone was talking about it. Uh, I had not uh, seen the thing at the time. <laughs> oh, so, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew the premise, right? So, um, yeah, some of the stuff went over my head. Uh, but I, I remember like sort of liking it, but just not loving it. And then after watching the the film, or both, I think I I read yeah I read this this morning and I reread it this morning and like I, I loved it this time I, I think it's um you know one of those things where the more you know about the the story yeah. the the more interesting it becomes so so like now that I know what's going on I'm like oh it, it's it's very cool I mean it's it's extremely dark it's extremely yeah. dark extremely creepy but I think it it captures what the original or the 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 1982 film does so well is it captures that sense of like of like larger mystery like there's something much much bigger going on in the background that you're not really aware of yeah and um also like you know reading this made me feel like oh there's so much going on in this film because i've only seen the thing all the way through once there's so much going on in this film that i probably missed like little details like uh didn't they say like wilford brimley's character had eaten like a quarter of all the food stores in the story that's, or something? That's in the story. I don't think that that's... Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was like, I was like, was that in the film? And I missed it. Uh, <laughs> you know, th- like certain things I'm reading along and, and I was wondering. Um, but I, I love the uh, the sense of horror that the alien feels yeah. that human beings have like, they, they call this like cancers. Like we're basically... Yeah. Like, all of our being is basically trapped in our in our brains and our little thin spinal cord. Like we're not spread out among all of us. And... and um, and, and we and can, that, we can't we can't shape like like the 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 story takes the premise that all life in the universe can shape shift, and then this alien finds itself on our planet where life can't shape shift and is just horrified and repulsed by by this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I found that uh, really compelling in a, in a dark way, and then also um, there's a that brief connection where the alien um, communicate like it can't communicate with the human beings, I guess, because they're so different. And but then there's like a brief moment where they they do communicate and it's like i know enough you motherfucker you still sealing shitting rapist and then like then he kills it and it, it was it was just like um really intense and and i also remember that the author i think the author was like held up at the border and had a problem with the border do you know about yeah. the story yeah. yeah well he was like at least his version was that he was beaten up at the U.S. border by Border Patrol agents, and then he was charged with assaulting them, <laughs> and so was facing really serious jail time, actually. Um, but in the end, the jury did not find the Border Patrol agent's account credible, and he was basically released with time served, I think. But he was – this is the Canadian author, Peter Watts, but he's banned, I think, still from entering – from the United the States, yeah. yeah, and so wow. he thinks that he I, he he won and got nominated for a bunch of awards, and he seems to think for, for this story, and he seems to think it's because of that whole kerfuffle at the border. But I mean, this story is is great. I mean, it it should have won or got nominated for all those awards. No, I I think it's like I said, I think it's brilliant, and you know, and actually, John W. Campbell Jr. He had this thing that he used to say to his writers, which was, "Give me a creature that thinks as well as a man, but not like a man." 
meaning you know aliens you wanted aliens yeah. that 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 thought differently than that it's not just like a person with like rubber ears and like whatever that it it's actually seems alien the way it thinks and this this story does that as well as any story i've ever read i think yeah it's just like putting you inside the head of an alien that thinks unlike a human does yep i agree with that uh tom did you get a chance to read the things I did not. I, my life has been such a whirlwind lately, but I'm really intrigued by hearing the description of it. Uh, it sounds, it sounds really fun. And it sounds like, you know, it would be another expansion of my, uh, my ongoing quest of all things, the thing. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but no, I, I think it, it sounds a lot like I, I hate to keep talking about Robert Sheckley, but it sounds a lot like a two different Robert Sheckley stories, the monsters, which you and I have read, Dave, about the, uh, you know, the, where the human beings are the actual monsters we land on an on an alien planet and then shape he's got one called shape about these creatures that come to earth and they can take the form of anything and they think um they think people are really bizarre because they don't so i, I yeah, i'm really yeah. i'm really really excited to read it now yeah it's a- Definitely. And, and also another thing I should explain is that the creature thinks that it's a great gift to be able to spread, to be able to do communion and spread itself to other organisms and things. And it can't understand why the humans don't appreciate this. And so it's, it's completely baffled at the beginning. Wow. Um, wow. So, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and, but, but so also, I mean, there's this, this line, um, uh, so this is, and, and, and I think, you know, obviously I think Peter Watts must've gone back and read who goes there. Uh, mm-hmm. cause there's this line in the story where some, one of the characters says about the thing, it must be a peaceable thing in its own inimitable, inimitable way. It never had to fight because it always gained its end otherwise. And so it seems like his story was kind of riffing on that a little bit, but then there's also kind of this interesting thing where Campbell, uh, dislikes the idea of any alien being better than humans. <laughs> and so he he wouldn't publish any story where the aliens were better. Like humans always had to have some like human spark that made them superior to any aliens. Mm. And Asimov was so turned off by this that he wrote the Foundation series with no aliens at all because that was he thought that was you know better than writing than following Campbell's directive on that. Huh. Um, but so there's this line in the story where McReady says he's talking to the room full of people and they know some of them are are, are aliens, and he says. I'm pretty sure we humans still outnumber you others, and we have what you, your other world race, evidently doesn't. Not an imitated, but a bread-on-the-bone instinct, a driving, unquenchable fire that's genuine. We'll fight. Fight with a ferocity you may attempt to imitate, but you'll never equal. We're human. We're real. Your imitations false to the core of your every cell. So, oh, gosh. I just thought that was like an interesting uh, expression of Campbell's chauvinism, like human chauvinism. Yeah. In yeah. that in that scene, yeah. Human exceptionalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Human privilege. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So, like, we're pretty much out of time. Um. I'll also just mention. Apparently, they're remaking this again. Oh God. Uh. In January 2020, Stop. a new film was announced by the produce uh, to be produced by uh, Blumhouse Productions. Uh, the project. Oh, oh! I should explain this whole thing, right? The project is based on the Frozen Hell version of the story. So I never knew this before, but apparently, um, there's this uh, author Alec Navalo Lee, and he wrote a book called Astounding, which is about Asimov, Heinlein, um, Campbell, and uh, L. Ron Hubbard. 
And in the course of doing research for that, he came across this. Uh, it turns out that, that the Who Goes There story that was published that was was cut down from a much longer manuscript. And he found the original much longer yes, manuscript. Yes. And so they did a, a $1,000 Kickstarter to get it into print and ended up getting $155,000 Jesus from from thing fans um <laughs> making it one of the, i think one of the most successful science fiction kickstarters uh yet but um but yeah so anyway so this new movie is going to be i guess drawing on that longer uh longer manuscript and this was just in like 2018 or something this was just a couple couple years ago uh, so matt i'm not he, sure if it i'm not sure if it needs to be longer i think that uh it, it, it read pretty long as it is i mean yeah um, I remember reading about the screenplay for the 82 version of the thing where the fir- one of the first drafts had just like a lot of dudes in a room talking and they, they're like, no, we, we need to have more stuff happen. This is not interesting. Um, so I'm, I, I don't know that, you know, expanding that book. And, and so, so the film that the remake that they're doing is going to be closer to the extended version of who goes there is what you're saying. That's what this says on Wikipedia. Mm. I mean, the one I'm thing skeptical, I'll say, but... I, I, yeah, like, like I, I haven't read the Frozen Hell version, so I don't know. But it's apparently there's like this long um, section at the beginning that he cut out, and I did like the beginning of the story a lot more than the rest of it, the, okay. the published version. So there might be more material there that I like, uh, but it's it definitely doesn't. I wouldn't recommend. You know, it, it's not like the you know the the published version was too short and needs to be expanded at all. Yeah. Uh, no, so I, I think like I think that the tr- this kind of trope has has been kind of played out. I mean, there was a there was a period like maybe ten years ago where like every fantasy book that came out was a vampire novel, and like yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I feel like the idea that oh you know aliens are are among us, uh, but we we can't tell like you know you know going back to like invasion of the body snatchers or, or yeah um, they live uh, uh yeah and then like obviously like further back than that but but um oh yeah but but like i don't know i mean you know there's nothing new under the sun if they, if they do it right if they if they give it the, a proper treatment who knows but i mean it's going to be really hard to to beat the the carpenter version i think oh yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think anybody's ever going to beat that version yeah yeah no i i mean i i you know we say this a lot on this show because we've been re- revisiting all these old movies and and stuff is that you know, I, I wish that they would take and adapt something that hasn't been done before. Yes, please. Like everything is just like, oh, we have to do something that already has a name. And yeah. there's so much good science fiction yeah. out there that hasn't been produced yet. Um, that would just be amazing. Yeah, it would blow uh, people's minds. Yeah, and and it's like, oh no, let's we'll, we'll do another thing. Like, ah, yeah, man. it's ridiculous. Because they know they're going to make money on it. Because they know people yeah. are going to be like, "Oh, I'll check that out. I, I like the thing originally." I mean, but it's. I just wish there was some way to for them to make money on take, like you said, taking something, take one of Dave's stories out of his new anthology and make that into a movie. Any yeah. one of those would be awesome. Well, I know everything is everything's IP now, so everybody's giving. Like, I know so many people who have had you know the, the film rights to their short stories optioned over and over again I, I don't know how much of it gets made but but yeah. people are you know making money well, off of the options i think the, oh, the key is this is like they're afraid to take risks on something new right? yes of so, course yeah. Yeah. so yeah, yeah. attach attach a, a good director like a well-known director to something yeah like 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 i was saying before uh 
uh, before the podcast, like Christopher Nolan, attach him to something. Like we all know he makes good films, sometimes confusing, but, um, <laughs> you know, attach him to that or, 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 um, you know, uh, another, another direct, like big popular director's name that we all have seen their stuff and say, oh yeah, that was pretty good. And then say, he's producing a new well, science fiction well, thing. I think with well, those... Just- Go ahead, Dave. Just just to give you an idea of the popularity of the thing or sort of the um the brand recognition of the thing, like on Wikipedia also it mentions just a a, a board game, a thing board game <laughs> that raised over six hundred thousand dollars on Kickstarter. So How like, much? you can six hundred thousand dollars. Jesus. Oh god. So, wow. So you can and then there was there was another one I saw too, which also raised over like four hundred thousand dollars. <gasps> another it was like a, another board game, I think. Wow. Uh, or maybe a card game, I'm not sure. But um but so you can understand why they would wanna do like, oh, let's do the thing, like because you know, it has this um you yeah. know, this built in fan base. Yeah. But but this is why I suspect that, you know, they would not really do an adaptation of the Frozen you know, they're like, This is an adaptation of the Frozen Hell, but then they would like, basically change everything and yeah. you know and make it something completely different. Um Well, you can't adapt something word, you know, uh faithfully. You just can't. If no. fiction doesn't Fiction doesn't uh, translate well to film. I mean, film has to have a story arc, and uh, yeah. it, you know it has to has to move quickly. It has to have a very defined story arc. And, and you can't do the interiority. No, of exactly. Characters. You can't. Uh, you can try. Look what happened when Stephen King tried it because he was frustrated that everybody kept ruining his books, which are exceptional. I love his books, but he was frustrated. You know, Stanley Kubrick didn't do a good enough job on The Shining, and. Uh, so he decided he was going to do maximum overdrive himself. Yeah. And, uh, and look what, and he was faithful to it. He stayed very faithful to the story, but look what happens. You can't do that. You can't do that with a movie. It doesn't work. All right, cool. So we, uh, we need to start wrapping this up. So Andrea, final thoughts on the thing. Um, it is a great movie. Just, just as far as filmmaking, it's a fantastic movie. It's scary. It's, uh, creepy. It's all about paranoia and, you know, the monster stuff is great, but I just think as a film, just as really good filmmaking, um, it's, it's a really great example of how to build tension. Um, so if you are a fan of good filmmaking, uh, I would watch it definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really, I think it's really great. Actually, though, um, oh wait, no, this is I was going to say, like, um, Alec Navalny Lee in his introduction to Frozen Hell, he refers to who goes there as the, like, the greatest science fiction horror story of all time, and I don't think it is. No, uh, I, I, I I'm, really did not. No, no, no. not even. I mean, maybe, just off maybe, the top, maybe of my, he didn't read a lot. Maybe he read like ten stories. <laughs> no, I don't think that's true. But I mean, no, uh, just kidding. I um. Just off the top of my head, Sand Kings by George R. R. Martin is a way mm-hmm. better science fiction horror story, uh, in my opinion. And I'm sure if I sat down and made a list, I could I could come up with yeah. a lot more. Um, there's actually I can't maybe Matt might know the title, um, but there is the story I read that's in Mercurio de Rivera's collection, uh, where there's these aliens and they um they communicate by pheromones or something because they they, they oh the raised. scent of their arrival yeah yeah the scent of their arrival that yeah, that was you, a fantastic you should, should read uh. uh Everyone should read that story. I believe it was originally published in Inner Zone, and now it's in his collection. Uh, but yeah, the aliens communicate by pheromones, and then there's uh, another group uh, of people that are trying to decode the alien language. That was a fantastic science fiction horror story. I thought it was yes. so good. And there's actually a couple of them that take place in the same universe. 
Okay, cool. And so, but yeah. so, Matt, uh, final thoughts on uh, the thing? Yeah, so uh, I, I uh, agree with Andrea 100%. Uh, the, the 82 film is is great. Um, I'm really glad that I finally got to watch it all the way through after all these years. Um, and I also want to say that it was really cool revisiting uh, the story, The Things, by Peter Watts. Um, after you you know watching the the film and then and then reading that story, I feel like I I got like more lore into like the the Thingiverse. <laughs> um, and, and it, it was just, it was just cool. Like, like seeing that reverse perspective, it was like, you know, how wicked did the reverse point of view yep. for the wicked witch in Oz, it was like the same thing with the things, except in this case, the thing is actually evil. Uh, well, uh, depends on your definition, but it, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was cool. I, I enjoyed it. So yeah, highly recommend. Yeah, so definitely watch the thing if you haven't seen it, and definitely read Peter Watts's The Things. So I think, and it's yeah, it's it's such a great science fiction horror story, and it's like it's weirdly beautiful too. The yeah. way it's written, mm-hmm. it's just really sort of yes. poetic. And oh, the the way he he structures his sentences. I am being McCready. I am being Blair. I am being like it was just really great writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Tom, final thoughts on the thing. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a fantastic movie. I mean, obviously I, I just love it. I think it's, it's very well made. It makes me nostalgic to see it. It makes me nostalgic for a, uh, you know, a time of more creativity and collaboration between the filmmakers, the filmmaking crew, members of the filmmaking crew, uh, versus something that's kind of, uh, top down managed product. Um, I'm sure that's like a, a typical hippie complaint, but, but I, I just, I just, I just love it. I just think it's so fun. And, and that's why I just keep going back to it over and over again. It's just so fun and creepy and scary and eerie and, and funny. Um, yeah. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. If you have seen it, go watch it again. It's just great. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now, so Tom, what are you going to say now, now that you can't say, why haven't we talked about the thing? Why haven't we talked about alien? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe, maybe you ju- you're just going to have to pester me ten more times on ten more episodes about that, and then we'll talk about alien. All right. I've got a punch card here. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Cool. So let's uh, wrap things up there. So we've been speaking with Tom Gerenser, Andrea Kale, and Matthew Kressel. So thanks everyone so much for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. And that was our panel. So big thanks again to Tom Gerenser, Andrea Kale, and Matthew Kressel for joining us on the show. And remember that Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue, please support us on Patreon over at patreon.com slash geeks, or via PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. All right, so that was our show. So thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is a production of Wired.com. For more information about the show, visit geeksguideshow.com. To learn more about your host, visit davidbarkertley.com. Music and voiceover produced by yours truly, Jack Kincaid. If you enjoyed this program, tell your friends. If you didn't enjoy it, tell no one. Thank you for listening.